Welcome back to the podcast. You are in for a treat today. Can I just tell you, I have got a panel of guest experts talking all about how you can become more financially savvy in your life and your business. I cannot wait to share this with you. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, founder, author, speaker, and bold branding and business coach. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to create an epic brand, profitable business, get marketing savvy, and we'll help you find the confidence to step up as the CEO to scale and grow. Ready? Let's go. Hey there. I hope that you are doing well. And I'm excited that you are joining me for this podcast episode. It's an episode that I have been wanting to do for a while now. I have done a number of episodes on money, but I really wanted to invite some guests in a bit of a panel discussion around how we as women and men can be more savvy when it comes to how we manage our money, not only in our business, but in our life as well. So I am super excited for this conversation. But listen, before we dive in, a message from this week's sponsor. Today, I've got a quick but very important question for you. Do you know how to make a contribution to your superannuation? If you had to make a contribution, would you be confident you would know how to log into your fund, find the right details and transfer the money? If this question makes you uneasy, you're not alone. When you're an employee, super is compulsory and it's taken care of for you. But when you're self-employed, you're responsible for managing the whole process on your own and it's not as straightforward. Plus, because nobody really teaches you the actual steps to do your own super, you end up ignoring it and telling yourself things like, finance isn't my strong suit, I just don't earn enough to put into my super yet. But you are not the problem. Your process is the problem, or rather, the lack of having a process, which is where Gig Super's free bootcamp comes in. It's not focused on getting you to understand superannuation inside out or to become a finance whiz. Instead, it's a short course that's all about the doing. It gives you practical, actionable steps that you work through at a sustainable pace. And the best bit? This practical process works with your current fund, regardless of how much you earn. So if you're ready to break the cycle of not doing your super, check out the Gig Super link in the show notes and do something today that your future self will thank you for. Big thanks to Gig Super for sponsoring this episode, which I think is perfect for them when we're talking all things money. So today, what I really wanted to share with you, a couple of key facts, then I'm going to introduce you to our panel of speakers, then we're going to dive into the conversation. So one of the reasons that I really wanted to have this conversation is because I talk about this in Brand Builders Academy a lot, and I have discovered that a lot of women in business don't pay themselves. They don't pay themselves at all. They pay themselves very little. They don't manage their money well. But you know something, the issue is that a lot of women don't know how to manage their money. They haven't been taught how to manage their money in business. And I just don't think that this is something that is talked about enough, which is one of the reasons why I am so passionate about teaching women how to actually run a business in Brand Builders Academy. 
Now, as you may know, I started up, I come from a sales background, so I managed a lot of profit and loss and teams and financials. And then when I started the brand consulting business, I had to manage the budget and the PL for that as well. And so coming into my own business, there were a lot of things I had to, I guess, rethink and relearn and make sure that I was doing when I was running my business. And so I am super passionate about helping women to understand all the ins and outs. And I know my guests on the podcast today are as well. But some of the really interesting things that I wanted to share is that, did you know that 50% of the women that I surveyed don't pay themselves regularly? or that female founders pay themselves less than their male counterparts. The other thing is that women are less likely, 20% less likely to share when their business is doing well. And a study by Merrill Lynch showed that 61% of women said that they would rather discuss the details of their own death than money. That's pretty extreme. And so I think that as a collective, because I know that the majority of my listeners, not all, shout out to the guys, but the majority of my listeners are women in business. And so I want to talk more about this topic. I want to talk more about how you're managing your money, what's working, what's not working, what don't you know and what do you know. And sometimes the worst thing is that we don't know what we don't know. So it's really hard to get good at something when we're not sure you know, whether the knowledge that we have is sufficient or not. And so this is where this discussion is hopefully really going to help. The other thing that Gig Super provided, and that was stats from the Australian Superannuation Fund Association and the Retirement Income Review, shared that 75% of self-employed Aussies don't contribute to their superannuation or their pension, depending on where you're listening to this podcast from. Self-employed people generally retire with 50% less super than everyone else. And self-employed women generally retire with 70% less super than employee men. And that just kills me. It breaks my heart as well. So even when I take a look at you know, my annual income, my revenue, I always take a look and look at if I was to contribute 10 to 15%, what would that be based on my revenue? And then at the end of the financial year, I do do regular contributions to my pension, my super. But at the end of the financial year, if I haven't hit that kind of 12% mark that I've contributed, then I make sure that I take a lump sum and I put that in so that I'm keeping up with the standard percentage I should be paying myself. If I was in a job, if I was in a corporate job, that's what I'd be paying myself. So I'm making sure that I'm doing that within my business. And so I just really want to prompt the conversation. I want to inspire and encourage you and challenge you to make sure that you're making savvy money decisions in your business as well. And so I'm excited for this conversation. So before we dive in, I wanted to introduce you to our panel of speakers. Our first guest speaker is Renee Verco, who is a financial planner. Renee 
is the founder at Money Mode, a financial education and advice practice. She's been in the industry for over 16 years and is passionate about empowering women at all ages and stages of life with accessible financial know-how. She's also the host of the Savvy Mama podcast, which aims to support fellow mums in navigating all aspects of their personal finances. She is a regular contributor to Kids Spot and one of the panel experts on Nova's Small Change podcast. Our second guest is no stranger to the podcast. Fee Johnson from Peach Business is a chartered accountant who is all about impact and no bean counter. Fee works with purpose-led business owners to make sure they make a big impact and a healthy profit. She helps business owners to make better business decisions by creating business plans, financial forecasts, and with regular check-ins. Her clients, which include the Digital Picnic, Project Rocket, Arlo & Co, and more, all come to her by word of mouth because she truly makes a difference to the people she works with. And our third guest is Farian Azim, who is a money and wealth strategist. Farian is a multi-award winning financial professional who brings up money substance, expertise and sophistication with the woo in a down-to-earth, fun and fabulous way. She is a financial educator, wealth strategist and business coach with over 20 years experience. She supports money coaches and financial professionals to build businesses that create change and make impact by empowering others with financial knowledge and improving their relationship with money. Farian believes in living an extraordinary life where you can achieve financial success, attract money into your life and achieve your financial goals. If you're ready to dream big and create a life of abundance, she'll teach you how to align your heart, head and hand to master your money mindset and build your empire. So you know something, when I bring you guests on the podcast, I am shooting for the stars. I am bringing you women who live and breathe this stuff. And so that's why I'm so excited to share this episode with you. So without further ado, let's dive in to this week's podcast on how you can create savvy money habits. Ladies, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. I'm so excited to have you here as my panel of experts talking about women and money, our relationships and how we manage it. So welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you. <laughs> nice to be here. Yeah, it's oh, so good. Thanks, Sue. My pleasure, my pleasure. Now, I have worked with all of you in different capacities before, um, and I know that we are like-minded in a lot of the things that we talk about, but I know that you've all come from different places and spaces and work with different businesses as well. And so I would love to know what conversations are you having with your clients right now and what are the things that you are focusing on with your clients too? So Renee, we'll start with you. What are you having conversations with clients about? Because as we're recording this, we're literally about to come into the end of financial year as well. So I know that these are hot topics and conversations. Yeah. So I, I guess Sue's like, I mean, my, my core kind of business day today is working with clients one-on-one about their you know financial plan and I I work with clients of all different ages and stages of life but um, I'm 
speaking with a lot of people that are kind of, I don't know, I suppose in their late forties, their kids are kind of, you know, getting through school and they're starting to, they might still be some way off retirement, but it's like this harsh reality of, you know, I'm going to be retiring at some stage or I want to scale back from work in, in some capacity. And I just feel like I'm, you know, struggling to see how I'm going to financially support myself. I want to be mortgage free. I want to make sure I've got a nest egg um, behind me that I can kind of draw on from a passive income. It's sort of almost like these panic stations of, oh my God, am I going to financially be okay? And I think a lot of that's potentially come off the back of the year that we've been through that's caused a lot of people to stop and think like things change in our lives and we don't have control over everything that happens so it's sort of also this feeling of I I need to take control of my financial future and my financial situation and you know and super is a big one it's like where is my superannuation at? Am I on track? Am I going to actually be able to depend on that um, as an income source? So they're, they're sort of a lot of the themes that we're talking about. And do you find, because you said, you know, a lot of your clients are sort of 40 and over. Yeah. Are you finding that the younger generation are starting to think a little bit more about this stuff? Definitely, definitely. But I think, I feel like, um, you know, I, I suppose when you're younger, you just think there's so many more priorities that you've got that you don't need to worry about. But yeah, I think it's becoming, I think money, the money conversations are happening a lot more. Um, they still need to happen a lot more than they, you know, than, than, than they are. But, you know, there's a lot of, lot of money talk on social media yeah. and things like that. So it is, it is becoming out, you know, it's coming out there in the public forum and people are starting to, to think about it. I mean, I'm in it every day. That's my perception anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's out there as well. Fee, what are you seeing? Because you do you mainly work with, uh, I guess, I would say SMEs, mm-hmm. so small to medium enterprises. Would that, yeah. is that how you would describe your clients? Yeah, yeah. So all of my clients are small and medium business um, owners and all of them are using business as a force for good in a variety of different ways. That's my niche. Mm. And, look, it's a very... Um, unusual time for small businesses so some of my clients who have been severely impacted by COVID particularly my clients in the events and wedding industry I mean they just keep getting rammed and um, it's really hard to keep getting back up and dusting yourself off from that and I think what's happened in the last year it's been really unfair because some businesses are having the best time financially that they've ever had for a variety of reasons not all of them because of anything that they've done and then you've got other businesses out there who are just almost um, on the brink of nervous breakdowns and you know uh, so I think people are really starting to assess their businesses in a different way and in some ways that can lead to something really positive because if you um, you know you might have been tolerating things such as not earning enough or charging this price because this reason or that reason if you've then gone through a huge life change that's made you really reassess what's happening in your business I am seeing people who I've been um, you know may have been a little bit nervous to put their prices up or do whatever the thing that they needed to do to push themselves forward they might actually be able to do that now because it's almost like they're saying stuff it Um, you know things aren't going well because of something completely out of my control so when I am actually able to take the reins again 
I'm going to really go for it. Um, and I agree with Renee, there is a lot more talk about money in the kind of airwaves and out on the internet. And I think that's fantastic. I think in Australia, we have this culture of, um, you know, keeping money to ourselves and not talking about it openly. And in other countries that, you know, that's not the culture. And I'm not saying that the US has many things that, are, you know, we should be aspiring to. But I do think that, the, that their approach to business and talking about money can be really healthy. And I've actually been reflecting on this quite a lot in the last few weeks because um, and just trying to understand, like, why, why does that happen in Australia? And I think in Australia, when you think about very, very wealthy people in Australia, they tend to be wealthy because of mining or gambling, and those are things that don't really sit very nicely with many of us, certainly not with myself. Whereas I think when you look to the US, you can see people that are very wealthy from a variety of industries. So it feels like a more natural kind of pathway to wealth, to, to you know, uh, create wealth and a, an amazing business via all of these different channels. And I think the more companies that become, um, you know, very visible, such as Canva, which is a fantastic Australian, you know, they were a startup originally. When we start to see companies like that really pushing through those kind of billion-dollar barriers, I think the conversation around money is going to start to change and it's going to start to float through to, you know, the small business owner and, you know, everything in between. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I do think that having businesses like that in Australia that we can look up to and that have done things from that grassroots, it's really inspiring to, to watch yeah. them grow as well. Uh, and I do agree, like when I think about, you know, really rich people in Australia, it is from a lot of those industries. Uh, and I, I would be really interested because do you think that the stigma or the the classification that we like, you know, we're Aussie, Aussie battlers, like we like to be Aussie battlers. Like, is that, you know, where, as you were talking, for some reason that popped into my head, you know, tall poppy syndrome, like don't talk about money, don't be too successful. You know, we like to support the underdog, all of that. Do you think that, do you think we're sort of shifting out of that from some, from what you were sort of saying? I think Australia has a very, uh, mixed understanding of itself you know we think of ourselves as the people who support the underdog and the battlers but this is a colonized country mm. so you know a lot of people who came here were you know convicts and um, you know my family lineage is 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 convicts um, but you know there's brutal history um, here so I think trying to see ourselves as these kind of battlers who you know support the underdog I think is a little bit of rose tinted glasses in a way mm. about what has actually happened in our country and I think we're in that real uh you know slightly scary point in history where we actually are becoming more like the U.S. and bringing with it some of those kind of capitalist um you know ideas where um, I think that Australia actually does have its own business culture and I think the more that we can do to support our small, medium and larger businesses to do the right thing, to use business as a force for good and see that it is possible to be both profitable and doing great things because it is and, you know, you look at businesses that are out in the kind of public domain such as 
who gives a crap? I mean, it's such a fantastic business model. It's simple. I imagine it's very profitable and it's so compelling. And I think the more businesses that are, um, you know, putting themselves out there in that context, so building a business that has a lot of brand value and a lot of financial value whilst also contributing to doing something good, I'd like to think that that can be the overarching culture mm. in, in Australian business. Yeah. Something to aspire to. I love that. I think we should talk about that more and more people can kind of talk about it. When the, I love that Glad Wrap company. I don't, it was, it's called Wrapped something and it's biodegradable. So within 30 days, the cling wrap, like you can put it in compost and stuff. And I'm just like, said so to my husband, like we've got to buy more of these types of products and support them um, as well. But yeah, and Farian, you work with financial advisors, people who have got those finance backgrounds. What are you seeing? What conversations are you having with them? Like how have they been going over the last sort of year or so? What we've been actually finding is that um, with everything that's happened probably over the last 18 months, um, a lot more people are becoming really mindful about money. So they're actually, whereas before they weren't thinking about money, it was just spend or do, you know, whatever you were doing with it. Whereas now they're being really mindful. They're reducing debt. They're, um, it's that shift. I think that mindset work is, um, so people are finally, you know, having that money mindset shift. If you think about it in our history, we have never had anything like this happen where mm. your income can change overnight. You just haven't got a job or something happens. So all of a sudden, whereas everyone was spending or just, you know, living a good life in Australia as we, you know, we were, um, we still are, but things just changed overnight. So now, I mean, even research shows that people are saving more. They are collecting the money. They're reducing the debt. They're doing things so that it's, I think it's brought about, um, there is a level of fear that it has um, arisen from this. And, and I think later, like it will cause issues later down the generation as well. So people will put, have this fear that, oh my God, these things can happen to us. And they'll start like a hoarding sort of mentality. Because I mean, if you think about it, there are a lot of people out there that we see, I mean, you guys would see as well, that have got actual really big savings in the bank, just sitting there cash, which is earning ridiculous amounts of like low interest rates and things like that. But people are so scared of losing money that they don't want to take any risk. And of course, risk versus reward is a, you know, there's a correlation there. So people don't want to take that risk because they're too scared to lose it. Um, but history shows that, you know, you need to do, need to do that to actually get some return. So yeah, that's what I've been seeing that, um, you know, that people, are very mindful about it. But um, as B said, and um, Renee, that um, we do need to talk about money more. It, I mean, even what people are talking about at the moment, it's nothing compared to what needs to be talked about, you know? So it's like money is just this taboo subject in Australia within amongst, you know, Australian families. It's not something you sit around and you just go, oh, you know, what do we talk about? Let's talk about money. You know, how do you get it? What do you do? It's money comes from learnt behaviours mm. and the people we learn them from are usually not the best people who have the knowledge about yeah. it. So people pick up all the bad habits and things like that. And um, and I do that, think that also comes back to that tall poppy syndrome. In Australia, people don't like to be said that, you know, that people don't like to be called, oh, you're rich or you're wealthy. And being rich or wealthy is uh, um, each person has their own definition of it, right? So one person could be just happy with, you know, just living comfortably, having a house and a car and no debt. And that to them, they're rich. They're so, you know, that but to someone else could be a completely different definition. Mm -hmm. So I think the talking about money has to be a, a conversation. It has to really start happening. And that's, and then people will maybe start learning good behaviours. Yeah, I, I have to say I'm super excited. We're talking about our kids 
we're talking to our kids a lot about money. <laughs> like my, my son's like, so mom, how many clients do you have? Like how much did you make this month? All that. Um, yeah. and, and it's also like, we talk about the impact and that sort of thing, but my husband's been doing a lot of investing. And so they are now investing their pocket money into whatever we're investing in as well. And then he explains to them how it works and, you know, that sort of thing. And it's just, it's such an interesting conversation to have with kids as well, where it's okay to talk about it. We understand that, you know, it's a trusted conversation as well, uh, but that they can ask us anything and we'll be honest with them. You know, I don't, I'm not sure my... (laughs) family would have been as as open and honest about that what have you found like is that something that we're talking more about because we're talking more about money generally like have you seen that at all Renee with talking to kids about it I look I definitely think there's more consciousness around it and I think um you know this concept uh you know there's a lot of talk about you know our money stories and the you know the emotional store part of money which I'm super passionate about and you know that's something that we've all got I think the best exercise that you can do for yourself and and even you know for parents is to go back and have a look at your own money story because it's not just what you were directly told it was all the indirect um you know messages that you picked up in your observations that you had growing up and my, uh, money certainly wasn't talked about in my family growing up but I definitely, um, I, I know, you know, when I look at, there was so many messages that I got about money growing up. So when you when you can go back and like reflect on your own story and then start to think, oh, actually, what do I want to project onto my kids? What do I want them, you know, to sort of go through their life and be thinking about and be conscious about? And I think that's, the, if you can do that, um, and then actually start talking to them about the practical side of money as well. Because, you know, I, I, I grew up in country Victoria, 18. I moved to Melbourne. I was fully self-sufficient. I had to get a part-time job and relied on, you know, sort of Centrelink youth allowance. My parents did not teach me how to get through that period of time. Mm. I got through it on my own, but that was absolutely the best learning that I probably could have had in my life. Um, but I think we need to be teaching high school kids on when you leave home, how are you actually financially going to manage? It's so interesting. And is it, I can't remember where I saw it, but somebody else is saying there needs to be like a, a class mm-hmm. that is financial management. Yeah. like in year 11 and 12. There, there should be. I mean, it's, I was saying, you know, I think Varian was saying about it being such a taboo topic. They, they kind of put money and sex in the same category of being the taboo topic, but they have sex education. So why don't, why isn't there money education? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, and, and I think you shouldn't be teaching it because have you, have you ever had a client as a maths teacher? <laughs> <laughs> True. The other thing I was going to say is, I, when I look back when I was growing up to how kids are growing up now, that we didn't have social media. Mm. So, we, you know, kids now are in this advertising arena constantly that we weren't in. So there's going to be a whole new challenge for our children on, you know, like they're they're projected on this life that you can all have and that you all need to have. Um, and we, we didn't grow up with that. So I think we're dealing with a whole new ball game as well. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, I think we're probably all from the same generation that labied things. Yes. So, yes. you know, we oh paid gosh. things off. We didn't, the thing that really concerns me about the kind of 
consumer end of spending right now and for the last maybe 10 years is, yeah, like I remember my first job, I got paid $5 an hour working at the local donut shop and every hour was getting me closer to being able to buy a CD. So a CD was $30 and I was obsessed with my music. I still am. And I knew that every six hours that was bang, I've got another CD. And that's how I sort of thought about how, you know, where my money was going. Um, but now, you know, I could have bought a hundred CDs on, and then paid it off over the next however many um, years. Like, I think there's some really uh, quite murky territory for young people to navigate because, you know, there's video games with in-app purchases that are targeted and their, you know, their whole um, aim is to get that person to use their parents' credit card to buy whatever it is that you buy in the video games. And we've got the Afterpay and the, you know, all of the different brands doing that now, which I think is really concerning. And I think, in terms of who should be teaching about money in schools, I think it probably should be a psychologist and a financial person together because I think it's unrealistic to think that money is something that can be taught on a literal level because it's not literal, just like sex and food and, and drugs. None of those things actually make sense on a kind of logical or literal basis. And I think, you know, psychologists um, or, you know, people in that kind of realm uh, school counsellors, you know, perhaps in the future school counsellors will also have some financial training because they're the people that the kids are going to for support in other areas as well. Hmm. We live in this world of like um, instant gratification. So and Afterpay and ZipPay and all these things have just made that possible. So someone wants something, there's no longer this saving. It's just like, oh, go sign up, you know, you can pay it off in full. And they don't realise the actual effect that it has on them. Um, because people need to learn those behaviours that, no, if I want something, okay, well, I can save for it, I need to work towards it, and it's just, it's not, I want it, I want it now, and that's, I mean, like, it's technology, it's everything, it's just become this life of um, thing. So you've got, like, I mean, you've probably all heard the stories, you've got the, like, the 10-year-olds that will be on those games and they'll get their parents' credit card and they'll put it in and just because, you know, I can't get to the next level, so they'll buy all those points. In a way, what is that teaching them? It's teaching them a bit of that gambling sort of habit. Like it becomes a, you know, that sort of thing as well. So, yeah, I don't know, but I don't, I don't think it's a, a great thing. Yeah, I was a bit mm. disappointed at the Rebel Wilson ad because I really like her and I saw her in the Afterpay ad and she's like, so eat the ice cream, the whole tub of ice cream now, but you can split the calories over the next six months and, you know, wow. have the abs now, but, you know, it's like, it's like working out for the next six months, but you can have the results now. And I, as I was listening to it, I was just like, yeah, that's not real life though. Like, is it? That's not how life works. So yeah, when I saw it, I was just like, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> I was a bit disappointed, but yeah. 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 Well, if you look at it, um, even Australian Fashion Week, I think, was sponsored by Afterpay or one of those mm. ones. And you think all the young girls, right? So they're all there. They want all these fancy clothes, all this nice stuff. And it's just so easily accessible for them. Mm. Um, and what, like, I mean, I say, like, you know, most people are just spending all their money on plastic. They're not investing it. They're not buying good things. So, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. So interesting. Mm. And so I'd love to 
I want to jump back to what you were saying, Fee, about who should be talking about it, because we did mention this before we kind of started recording. And I thought it was a really interesting conversation just around the fact that because money is something that is being spoken about, especially in the entrepreneurial space, a lot more now, there are a lot of money coaches, money mindset, things like that coming out. What are your thoughts on it, Faye? Yeah, I think there's a lot of people getting into the space at the moment and I welcome, I think everybody on this call welcomes um, a lot more talk about money and Mm -hmm. exploring our own money stories and where they come from. But I think it's also important to think about what is the kind of story that that person, you know, what has brought that person to this place? So do they have a financial um, background And if not, where has their education come from? So if they've learned their their trade via running a business and they're teaching about money in business, fantastic. Um, But I think if somebody has, you know, done a short life coaching style kind of um, training and then wants to go and start talking about money mindset, I think that could be a little little damaging. Just like, you know, reading... Any book can be damaging if you're not kind of aware of where that person is coming from and what their backstory is. Um, but, but something that I know about a lot of um, people who I talk to, so some of, some of the people I work with one-on-one and some that I work with in programs and that I made in masterclasses is that so many Australians have this mindset that working hard is how you get somewhere. And I think if there could just be, you know, I think there's probably two money stories that I'd love to phase out eventually, and I think that's one of them. I think a lot of us had parents and grandparents and great-grandparents who did work very physically hard in order to um, earn a living because that was the option available to them. And so we've carried through this idea that we need to work hard and work long hours, and I think that doesn't necessarily actually serve us and I think the other money mindset issue I see a lot is people just undercharging you know I think I sometimes say to people in our first session you know if you just take nothing else from me just put your prices up I don't even need to look at what your price is to know that you're probably undervaluing yourself and you're not selling yourself you're not actually expressing all of the value that is on offer to that potential client that's sitting on the other side of the computer or the phone call or the wherever they're coming to you. And I think there is a, an overarching money mindset um, kind of culture in Australia of undercharging because this, because that, because this. No one in my industry charges that much. There's no way somebody could afford to pay this. And that's just us you know, spending other people's money for them. Mm. So, yeah, I think that hard work equals success needs to be something that we phase out. And I think that idea that we need to undercharge because of X, Y or Z also needs to be really phased out. And, you know, if we, we're we starting to value things like well-made clothes and artisan, you know, handcrafted mm. furniture it's and ethical. all of these other things, we need to start valuing people's, the services that we provide and the products that we create as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Karian or Renee, did you have any thoughts on on the new wave of? Yeah, <laughs> well, I teach this so, on the money mindset. Um, I think a lot of people come from that place of a real scarcity mindset that there's not enough, and I think it's that shift that money is infinite, money is energy, and you can attract it. Like there is enough out there in the world for everyone. So if you need to put your prices up, like V said, it's okay. You can. The customers that want to pay that are attracted to you, they you will. So. It's about, I also do believe that people do not value themselves and that's why they don't um, charge enough. There is a lot of people out there um, spruiking being financial experts or educators, or, but I think where that experience and that education and where it comes from is really important. So you might have someone who's just, you know, paid off some debt, all of a sudden, you know, yes, you are, you've done really well, but you cannot call yourself a financial expert, I believe, without some knowledge or some, you know, like proper um, education in that field. I think it's very important because financial um, services is a very regulated um, field, very compliant. So you have to be very careful where that fine line is. And I think um, a lot of people don't realise that. But, you know, I've seen a lot of things lately and I think there's um, going to be some change around that. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, my sort of two bits worth on that. There's a there's a lot of heat at the moment on um, in social media around a influencer and you know a financial expert. And it's I've been- not heard that, Renee. Yeah, like a fin an in. A fin, I can't even. I'm like that's influencer. a tongue tie for me. A I've only come across the term in recent weeks. I'm not. But it's it yeah, Finfluencer. And there there's been a few articles in the um, financial review and there's been, you know, a few social media accounts that are, you know, really sort of getting the heat on them and with each other. Um I'm so big- just explain that for us. So people so- who are not qualified giving financial advice, is that what a Finfluencer well, I, is? I think that I I I'm no expert on this, but I think they are being I think you're being branded, you know, whether you are a um, not qualified or qualified. I think they're putting you under the same banner as a influencer. So you've you've got that kind of, um, I guess, platform to influence people about their finances. But there is a whole. So they call it the like the fire community, the financial independent retire early community. I feel so out of the loop with all this <laughs> lingo. Keep going, yeah. Um, and so these, so there's this big up like social media um instagram is probably the main platform i'm on where i see it um but a lot of people sharing their journey about their financial independence um you know how they're achieving it and they're not qualified um in any way shape or form it could be you know any any background um so they've started almost like their personal blog to share their their journey so some of that is fantastic to be sharing that conversation um but then a lot of the financial institutions are coming in and sponsoring these people with content and giving them affiliate codes and all of a sudden then these guys are using their platform to talk about investing in certain ways or you know use this um yeah platform I won't mention any of the names but um and so as a financial advisor like I have to pay tens of thousands of dollars a year to be licensed and it's a very um it's a very strict line on what I can actually talk about on social media um that I don't err on the side of talking about any you know financial products or being able to actually influence somebody's um situation without me knowing it so I have to you know I have to keep it quite cool on there in the depth that I can kind of go into about 
about um, certain things. However, the unqualified person is going into a lot of detail about certain products and whatever. So it's it's more, um, and look, it's probably not um, my generation that they're talking to. It's just that I'm in this space. But I think it's just make sure that you do your own research. And, you know, it's great to hear about different concepts and different people's journeys and things that they can do, but just really take note on who you are actually getting advice for and go and do your own due diligence. Yeah, absolutely. So you're saying we can't believe everything we read on Instagram? <laughs> no. No way. <laughs> what? No, no. Oh. Quite real on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's scary, Renee. I hadn't heard of any no, of that neither either. neither have I. Yeah, yeah. It's just really probably been the last, I don't know, I feel like. I think the last fortnight's really blown up. That's yeah. what I noticed. Right. Oh, okay. Has something happened in the last fortnight? Yeah, and I'll send it to you guys. <laughs> oh, okay, right. So there's been a story that's come out and then it's kind of caused a bit of yep. controversy. So interesting. Yeah. What story? Yeah. <laughs> My <laughs> listeners are like, what are they talking about? What story? Don't you can't, you can't, sh- okay, all right. If I can put it in the show notes, guys, I will, all right? And then you'll have to go and discover it for yourself if I'm allowed to share it because I don't know what it is. But anyway, okay, so let's let's talk about some strategies and things that you think are worth people really thinking about, you know, and starting to educate themselves and, you know, whether it's for life or business, I'm, I just really want to open this conversation up. I want to have it more. I'm like totally like how can I run a big event on this type of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no financial sponsors allowed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but really open the conversation because I would just love for my listeners and my community just to be really savvy when it comes to making financial decisions for themselves and in their business. So that's why I had you on. So what are some things that we can start to do. Farian, let's start with you. What are some things that you think we need to start to do? I think everyone needs to have financial goals. Really, really important. When you've got financial goals, your money has a purpose. You know what's going to happen with your money. When people don't have goals, their money's just coming in and they're just spending on whatever whatever, it, whatever it is on, you know, and it just finishes or just goes away. So you, you need to have financial goals, and I think that's the number one thing. So and what does that mean? So what is it how much I'm saving? Is yeah, it how no, much I'm earning? Is can it can be anything. So you can um, start with, well, we're talking about small business people here. So, okay, my one of my financial goals is, I want to um, create X amount of revenue or X amount of profit, whatever it is. And then from that, what am I going to do with that profit? Like, what do I want to do? Do I want to invest? Do I want to pay off debt? Do I want to buy a new premises, a factory? Do I want to expand my business? Do I want to take on staff? What is it that I want to do? Because I think when you have something to work towards, you're like, okay, I know what I'm doing and I'm not just, you know, spending on whatever. So I think that's my one thing that I always tell everybody, make sure you set fine. I mean, there's lots of things you can talk about, but I think financial goals when you set the goals you've got something to work towards and just you know using like a smart principle just to set them and make them happen and the other one would be like to really address your money story understand what it is where it came from and if you've got the blocks the fears the limiting beliefs all there try and work through them work out what it is and transform your story create that healthy relationship with money don't always be scared of money don't always hate money all those sort of things that's what I would say. Yeah, and just on that as well, I it's a question that I now ask myself, which I, I don't know why I started asking it, but anyway, 
<laughs> who knows where these things come from, uh, is when I'm looking at my pricing, when I'm looking at my profit, all those sorts of things, I'm asking myself, what's my story around this? Like, so I want to make X amount of profit. I want to make X amount of revenue. I'm charging this amount. Does that amount feel good? Why do I charge that amount? Is there any limiting belief that I have around why I couldn't charge more? And I don't always have the answer just so that, you know, it's not like I'm like, oh, and here's all your answers, Suzanne. But I think it's a really interesting question to ask as well when it comes to the money story and our ongoing awareness of our own money beliefs that I think sometimes are so unconscious. Yeah. A lot of subconscious subliminal messages there and we don't know where they came from or like you just said you just you just do it and you don't know where it came from mm. so it's about just addressing like um the good the good ones are good but when when you've got the ones that are stopping or blocking you from moving forward you do need to work through them and it could be something as simple as when you were seven years old you went to a shop and you wanted something and someone said to you your parents might have said to you oh we don't have enough money or we can't afford that you create this story that, oh, no, I can't afford it. I can't afford things. So something yeah. or someone might have said to you, oh, no, you can't earn that much money. Like just, you know, like it's the simplest sort of things. But yeah, it's about so understanding them, working through them, doing the work, which is yeah. hard work, but doing the work to work through resolving your issues. Yeah, awesome. I love that. Money goals. And I, I do like what you're saying about it's not just about making the revenue and the profit, but it's like what is that going to be working towards? Like what's the outcome that you want as well? Yeah. So love that one. Renee, what about you? What are some strategies or things that we need to know? Yeah, so look, I think um, just sort of probably fleshing on from Farian, like the goals is is critical and really kind of seeing, um, starting to see money like on a personal level as as a tool. Like money is just a tool to allow you to kind of live life on the terms that, you know, you ideally want to be living it on. So it's, so in looking, yeah, at those goals, like how is it that you want to be living your life and what's the money actually going to allow you to be able to do and start to really think about some life goals. Like, you know, if you've got a mortgage, don't just stick to the 25, 30 year term that the banks dished you out. And then, you know, you refinance it every couple of years and extend the life of the loan, which a lot of people do unconsciously because they're like, oh, I've got a better interest rate. But all of a sudden I was five years into that loan and now I'm, you know, refinanced it and I've actually just extended the life of it. Think about a date to be mortgage free and work towards that. Start to think about, you know, outside of your business or your, you know, work life, at some point that will come to a close. Like, (laughs) maybe not. Some of us, you know, we might work forever. I probably will. But it's going, well, where is your revenue and income going to come from when it's not coming from your physical exertion? So, how are you, no, don't deprive, don't go and deprive yourself today, but make sure that you're building something for future you as well. And that you've kind of got that in mind. And I think, and you know, that's what I was sort of saying right back at the start, the, that conversation that I'm having kind of with the late forties and the early fifties, they're like, shit, I, I wanted to retire at 60 and that's in 10 years time. And, um, you know, I've, I've got to, I've got to do something about that to make sure that, you know, I'm going to have an, a passive income stream there to support me so I need to invest more I need to focus on my super um, and and start to build that up Um, so I think like really back back to basics 
I like always say to people, treat your personal finances like it's a business. So look at your actual personal financial situation, understand exactly where you're at, what you owe and what you, what you own and what you owe, and then what money you've got coming in and what you need to spend um, to maintain your lifestyle. And always it's really simple, but you've just got to make sure that you're living within your means and that you've got money left over to put towards those financial goals that Varian was talking about. Because like that simple, um, that simple structure of, you know, putting money, like being able to save and reduce your debt, that's that slow and steady in your personal finance world is what is going to get you um, to be able to be, you know, sort of financially independent. Yeah, so interesting, isn't it? And I mean, for those, because a lot of my listeners are also sort of late 20s, 30s and, yep. and going into 40s. And so what's that lesson? So we sort of talked a little bit about it, but just like not getting to late 40s and 50s and going, you know, crap, like I'm here. What yep. can they, like, is it just exactly what you said, planning for like yeah. what you're doing now and, and what the future looks like? Exactly. Because, I, you know, I think one of the... um. And I, I, I fell into this trap in my 20s of like upping my lifestyle thinking I'm going to be earning more money. So this is okay. This is okay. Like I can afford to kind of just, you know, just live on the edge a bit now because later on in life um, I'll, I'll be earning more. So, it, you know, it'll be okay. Um, and I think don't be fooled by that. Like don't put yourself under that pressure just, you know, don't like by all means, I'm not saying like we should all be striving to, you know, earn more and welcome more money into our lives. Absolutely. But deal with what you've got today um, really sensibly and have a backup plan. Like all the best laid plans come unstuck if you haven't got some emergency funds or you haven't thought about, you know, like God forbid if you were um, injured or a tragedy struck your family that you do um, you do have some insurance in place to to cover those yeah events. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing, Suze, with these um, younger sort of people, a lot of them don't think super is important. And I think super is really important because um, a lot of people, I mean, I've seen, you know, as a financial advisor, come to you in their 40s and 50s and they're like, oh, well, I wasn't putting a little bit extra in. I was, But it's that little bit that just keeps compounding and accumulating. And by the time you get to retirement, you've got this nice nest egg there that can really help you. But the thing with the young generation is like, oh, it's not my money. I don't care about it. I don't know about it. But it's about it is your money. Understand how it's invested, what it's invested in. Make sure, you know, if you can afford to put that little bit extra in that you can. So just doing things like that and knowing that that is also one of your investments. It's part of your net wealth. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I remember I worked with a girl like in my 20s. And I mean, she used to party and shop just as much as me, but she was saving for a deposit. And I'm like, <laughs> how did you do that? And I didn't. Like, you know, she ended up buying this amazing property in London. And I'm like, where did you get that money? Because I know that we were both on a similar earning. I think it is just having that mindset of let me just put that away I can still play and I can still do the things that I want and live and travel and all the rest of it but just putting that money away like I'm like coulda shoulda woulda like I wish I had done that um but so for my younger listeners I'm like learn from my mistake like do think about and be strategic with how you're managing your money and also super geez like such a big thing that so many business owners do not 
they're like oh, i'll do i'll do that later yeah I, I look that and the stats are real around this like there's women retire with um i think it's 47 percent less super than men and i mean a lot of the reasons are you know we know there's a gender pay gap we know that typically women um take time out to either for parenting or caring roles so but particularly like for your audience who's mainly business owners um you don't have to pay super so it's then there's often so many other competing in part competing priorities that super becomes I will deal with that later um but there's other things I need to spend my money on now and that just you think it should be compulsory oh I feel like it should be yeah everybody's nodding just so that you know yeah (laughs) because as you said that I'm like well we have to pay GST we have to pay tax like we've got to do all these things as business owners it probably should be Compulsory. But anyway, I just want to get to Fee as well. So Fee, what are some strategies or things that we need to be thinking about or that we can do? Yeah. I'm going to come at this from a different angle because I work with business owners, not individuals, although they are all individuals. Um, So one of the best things that you can do to generate wealth is start a business. And I think we forget that, um, you know, for a lot of people that can actually be a really great avenue of building something that outlives you and um, and has a financial life of its own. And I think the best time to start a business is yesterday and probably the second best time is today. And I think a lot of young uh, people make really great business owners because they haven't got the same financial pressures as perhaps older people do. So they tend to be able to take bigger risks. Um, So if you're a young person and you're feeling like you'd like to build some wealth into your life story, then perhaps starting a business is a great way of doing that. I think, um, you know, the overarching message that all of you have talked about today is just about being mindful of what you're doing. And, you know, one of the things that I am always trying to educate my clients about is, be intentional about your finances. We put energy into so many other things and the finances often just get left to the side as this thing that happens after everything else is done. So being mindful about your um, how you're spending and what you are, um, you know, what you're charging for your service and how you're running things. I think something that we can all do as business owners to help others to become Um, able to be financially independent is to pay people well you know some of the things that um, the ladies have been talking about I think there'll be people in the audience who aren't earning enough to be doing the things that we're talking about here and it's because there's so many employers out there who are just not paying fair wages for uh, the work that people are doing so I think um, every business owner who's able to pay somebody a great wage and and allow them to have financial independence is, you know, contributing to the community as a whole. I think in terms of educating yourself, like there's a lot that you can do just being on the internet, listening to podcasts such as this. There's plenty of books out there about this topic. I actually just bought one. It just arrived yesterday, written by Rachel Rogers, who is an American um, business coach business mentor and it's called we should all be millionaires and I'm really interested to dive into that uh, book and see what she's got to say I know that the so the small giants academy which is an amazing institution in Melbourne there they do they 
uh, run education on a variety of topics. It's such an incredible um, place to learn about philosophy, psychology, uh, economics, and how to do business as a force for good, uh, how to be a business that uses uh, its, um, that does good in the world. And they are about to uh, run a uh, money money mindset kind of course in a few weeks that's really about the psychology behind money mindset so I am definitely going to be signing up for that one Um, because I think we we tend to come at like I said earlier I think we come at this from the logical brain of an accountant and a spreadsheet and a you know all of these sorts of things and actually what we need to come at this with is psychology um, I think if you're somebody who's sitting there listening to this podcast and thinking, you know, these ladies are talking about limiting beliefs and just push through them and, and all of these sorts of things, if you don't have someone to help you do that, then the best thing that you can do is start saying it out loud. And I think that the thing that I know is missing for most business owners is clarity. And we would do almost anything to get clarity about what we're thinking, what we're doing, where we're going. And I think if you are able to engage a psychologist or a money mentor or somebody to help you work through these limiting beliefs, fantastic. If you're not, start talking out loud. Choose a trusted friend or or business buddy or whoever it is and start saying out loud what is in your head because the amount of clarity that you're able to get just by saying the words out into the world I think that would be a really great starting point. Yeah, and I think that trusted advisor is an important one. I mean, I've shared it before. I remember a girlfriend a while ago, quite a while ago, saying to me, I think I'm going to charge this for this product or service. And I actually said to her, I don't think that you should ask me because I think I've got a limiting belief around what you could charge for it. And so I don't want to be somebody that doesn't give you the right advice. Like when you talk to me about that product, I'm like, I don't think I would value that product. So I'm not the right person for you to speak to because somebody who values that product will probably pay a lot more. So that's the other thing is don't be asking random strangers (laughs) and family members about your pricing and things like that, because you don't know what their money beliefs are or their money blocks are. And also if they don't have the problem that you solve, they're not going to value that and say, yeah, I'd totally pay that much for it. Um, and so I think that's a, I think that's such an important thing, like be speaking to the right people and not just like Joe Blow next door kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And so I wanted to get some resources. Farian, what other resources do you think are worth us? Do you, are there, have there been any books that you were like, that's a must or any websites that you, uh, you know, go on to or even, you know, papers that you read, things like that. Like where do you kind of keep up to date with money for yourself? Well, being a financial advisor, you do a yeah. lot of training, <laughs> continuous reading and training. Yeah. So, um, well, you know, the AFR is always great. Um I do a lot of like, so we actually have like papers that come out that you have to keep, you know, updating all your CPD points and things like that. So I get a lot of my information from that. And a lot of the um, so the product providers that we deal with, they're always doing trainings and things like that. So I like that. But I love reading. So that Rogers, um, Rachel Rogers book, yes, I saw that as well. So because I like the other side of, um, you know, the, I balance the EQ with the IQ of money. So the EQ stuff of money, I have to go and find other sort of things. So, I mean, I I'm like, I'm a proper trained success coach. So like I have my books and things that I read continuously and those sort of things as well. 
That's okay. where I get my resources. I can lend you the book after I've read it if you like. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. And Renee, what about you? Yeah, look, I think if, um, you know, for people just kind of wanting to educate themselves a yeah. bit more around their sort of personal finances, I personally think the weekend money, like the Herald Sun and the Age, on a Sunday they have a money section that's written for everyday people. Um, and they ha- often have, um, they'll have a couple of articles in there and there's some case st- people will write in and, you know, put, give them their case study and they've got, you know, advisors that will write back and, um, and give them an answer on what they would do. And I think that's a great place to kind of, you know, just kind of familiarise yourself with a few things. Um, moneysmart.gov.au is a really good resource as well and not, um, it's not, you know, it's a government resource so it's not kind of you haven't got product providers trying to spruik you um any particular way so Mm. yeah Yeah. and I think just bringing some of that consciousness into your into your world I think is important even just to read like different things where you know it may not be something like I find uh you know cryptocurrency interesting I don't get it but (laughs) I'm like I'm like it's something that's in the world let me try and educate myself on it. It's not that I'm either going to do it or not do it, but I think just kind of being somebody who's aware, yeah, I think is, is important. important. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, being informed. Yeah, and, and I think that helps you too that when it does come time, you know, where you want to go and get some help from an advisor or whatever, you, you've got some familiarity of the sorts of concepts that you're wanting to get help with. Yeah. Um, and it helps you. I mean, that's that's the thing. You've got to sift through a bit on social media, but it can be a great way. Um, like I've had clients that have come to me um, sort of via Instagram and they've said it's been actually great to get to like know you and know what you're about on that platform before we came and saw you because five years ago, 10 years ago, we would have had to go and make meetings with different financial experts to meet them and then see what we thought. And it was just a real, a much, um, I suppose, greater barrier to entry. Whereas now, yeah, there's a lot of information out there. Go and, you know, look, look, look at social media, but go and back it up with your own um, kind of factual research, I suppose. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And I do love Profit First. We've talked about it before. Just from a... Yeah, 100% yes for me on that one. Yeah, like I love Profit First. I talk about it. I mean, Fee talked about it in Brand Builders Academy with my students. We talk about it a lot as well. Uh, But uh, even Mike McCallowitz, I really like the way he approaches business and how you manage business. And then uh, Donald Miller, who has Story Brand podcast and Story Brand as as a business, he talks on the podcast about how they manage their money and what they do and uh, and what's worked and what's not and how they've shifted and changed things as well. So once again, like just finding trusted sources that uh, that you can revisit and I guess listen to different things that they talk about, I think is is also worthwhile. So maybe not having a lot of different things you talk listen to, but having some trusted advisors that, yeah speak to your business your situation what you want to learn to so that is awesome ladies I am so grateful that you come on and shared your thoughts and your knowledge with my amazing listeners as I said it's a topic that I love talking about I want to normalize it I want to open it I want to you know make make it a space for people to feel really comfortable to say you know something I don't get it like I don't 
I don't get it. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. Like, how do we, how do we do this better? Uh, and so that's something that I definitely want to talk about. And I love the fact that I could have had all of you on to talk about it today. One day we will have a live event when we stop shutting borders um, and it'll be amazing. (laughs) And I can't wait to have you on a stage somewhere, but thank you so much for today. Uh, Before we do sign off, I just want to go around. So Farian, where can people find you? What's the best place to connect with you as well? Uh, And can you just, just reiterate who are the people that you work with? We'll have all of these details in the show notes, but for my ladies that are running or in the car, where's the best place to find you? <laughs> um, they can find me on Instagram, so at Farian Azim or at Money Coaching Academy. And the people that I work with, well, I have two sides to my business. I have, um, so I work with all financial service professionals who want to bring money coaching into their businesses. So that's where I train them to do that. And then I work with business owners as well to help them understand money a little bit better, especially female business owners. Awesome. Fantastic. Renee, where can we find you? Yeah. So my website's moneymode.com.au. My Instagram handles moneymode with an underscore at the end. Um, So that's, yeah, the best place to find me. And you're mainly, you just work with anybody around personal finances? Yeah, I do. So any, any, I don't have any um, particular demographic that I, you know, I work from anyone from someone wanting to buy their first home through to some, you know, helping people through their retirement years. So it's, um, and I also do run uh, a couple of money education programs um, that is, you know, more designed to help people with their, the, the emotional and the practical side of money, but really getting a really good handle on managing it day to day so that they can set themselves up for success. Amazing. I love it. And Fee, where can we find you, lovely? You can find me on Instagram at peach.business. Um, and my website is peachbm.com.au. And I very specifically work with purpose-led business owners who are doing things that are good for people, planet, profit. And I work with businesses from the size of one person up to about 150 is my biggest client at the moment. So that's me. Amazing. Well, ladies, thank you so much for your time and for your passion and for your education today. Really value it. Um, And I'm sure this will not be the last time that we're speaking on the podcast for sure. So thank you. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. I hope that you come back and listen to this podcast again. Maybe take some notes if you didn't the first time around. But there were so many things that I got out of this conversation as well that I've written down. We'll have them as quotes. I'll be sharing them more as well. But I loved Fee's perspective on it's possible to be profitable and do great things. I know that that's something that Fee is so passionate about, you know, working with companies that are doing good. And and it's something, once again, I really want to encourage you to think about what are you doing in the world that's good? You know, whether it's charities or it's environmental or it's putting the money that you earn towards, you know, positive impact as well. And so that's one of the reasons why, you know, my business supports uh, One Girl and Yulari because I knew that I wanted to support the next generation of women both here in Australia and overseas to become bold and powerful voices and so that really aligned. So what's something that aligns with your business, with your passion, with your values that can really 
I guess, help you to do good in the world as well. I know so many businesses are. I loved what Farian said around when you have financial goals, then your money has a purpose. And I have to be honest with you, I feel like this is something I definitely want to do better at as well. Saying to my husband, like, what's our financial goals? Like, we want to invest and we want to save, but like what for? Is it just for our retirement? Is it for something specific? Like what do we want that money to do for us? And then Renee's little gold nugget that I loved as well was know your personal financial situation and treat your personal finances like a business as well. So uh, there were just so many gems. They were just a couple that I kind of took away from this conversation. I know I'll come back and listen to it again, but I just really, number one, I want to thank Gig Super for sponsoring this episode. If you are not focusing on your superannuation, then make sure you check them out and go and start getting that sorted so that you're not leaving it till too late to get your super, your pension sorted as a woman in business, as an entrepreneur, whether you're a man or a woman, just getting it done is so important as well. And then make sure you go and check out all of our guest panelists. All of their links will be in the show notes. You can go and check them out. And then everything that we talked about, all the resources, the links where you can go and either read books or get more online you know, financial information. We've shared that in the show notes too under resources section. So you can go and check that out. And all you have to do is go to suzechadwick.com forward slash pod 164. And that's how you can find all of our show notes is pod and then the episode number. This episode is 164. So make sure you go to suzechadwick.com forward slash pod 164 and you can check out all of the show notes. And just another reminder, if you are looking to learn how to grow your business, your brand and your bottom line. If you want to be surrounded by incredible community of women who are going after big things where we are educating ourselves, we are doing the practical work to make our business better and to educate ourselves on how to do that, then make sure you join the waitlist for Brand Builders Academy, which is opening up, doors open on the 12th of July, 2021, we kick off on the 26th of July. Head to suzechadwick.com forward slash BBA, which is Brand Builders Academy, BBA, and join the wait list there. But that's it for another week. It has been amazing to have you here as always. And remember to follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us every week. The music to this podcast was created by Ixon on SoundCloud. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.